Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Peak Tea, and I really love these teas because they're specifically formulated to enhance the benefits of fasting. That's right, deeper levels of cellular healing and autophagy, and they're designed to shut down appetite and support healthy weight management. They're delicious. They won't break your fast. And they are the highest quality because they're extracted via cold brew crystallization that gently preserves the active compounds at their maximum potential. They're 100% organic and triple toxin screen for pesticides, heavy metals, and toxic mold. You would be surprised how many teas out there, if you test them, actually full of chemicals, full of heavy metals, pesticides, mold, super common in the tea industry, but not peak tea. They use the triple toxin screening and they're the highest possible purity. Now, I really like their bergamot fasting tea, which is amazing for your energy. You know, a lot of times when people are fasting, especially doing an extended fast, they're just energy plummets. Bergamot fasting tea will really help with that. It's loaded with theoflavins that nourish your gut bacteria, support digestion and boost satiety. And this is key. So a lot of times when you're fasting, you know, your, your, your healthy gut bacteria die off while your bad bacteria die. When we want the bad bacteria to die. We don't want the good bacteria to die. These theoflavins are going to selectively nourish the healthy gut bacteria to keep your microbiome intact. And you're going to get that from the bergamot. It also offers a flavorful burst of citrus. Its oils, again, enhance digestion. They provide unique mood-boosting properties as well. Also really good for the skin. They also have a great ginger green fasting tea. We know ginger supports your digestion. And we know green tea is rich in catechins. The two combined, ginger and green tea, super good for your immune system, great for energy levels. They also have a great cinnamon herbal fasting tea that I love. It supports balanced blood sugar, helps manage cravings. It's naturally caffeine-free, tastes amazing. You guys, they have a ton of different flavors, like 20 different flavors. Um, so you'll find something that you really like. And Peak is extending a limited time offer just for my audience. You can get 5% off plus a free pouch that comes with 20 premium samples so you can try all their different types when you purchase a fasting bundle. Just head over to peaklife.com forward slash drjockers. Use the coupon code D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a special discount. Peak has over 15,000. Listen to that. 15,000 five-star reviews. That means people are loving this. So try it for yourself risk-free with their 30-day satisfaction guarantee, and you'll either love it or you get your money back. So go to peaklife.com, spelled P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash drjockers and use the coupon code D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for a complimentary gift and 5% off. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Got a great topic today. We're going to talk all about longevity, aging. We're going to talk about warning signs that you may not be aging correctly. We're going to talk about key factors that are part of your lifestyle that really impact how you age and um, you know your level of health as you get older, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. My guest, he has gone around 
the world and um, interviewed people in different blue zones and different areas where uh, people are are known to age really well. And he's he's interviewed centarians, people who are over a hundred that are just enjoying life and they don't have um, you know the 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 physical disabilities that so many people in America have when they're in their sixties and seventies. So he's interviewed these people and talked to them and really studied their lifestyle and studied uh, natural health and uh, human biology to a high level to understand really um, the things we need to be practicing to have great longevity. So my guest is Jason Prawl. He is a friend of mine. He's a creator of the Human Longevity Project, which is a great docu-series that I was a part of. Um, and we'll we'll be promoting that again because he's gonna he's going to uh, be releasing that here soon, one more time because this is such a great topic and people really need to know this. And he's got a new book called Beyond Longevity: A Proven Plan for Healing Faster, Feeling Better, and Thriving at Any Age. And you can check it out at beyondlongevitybook.com. So, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. You know, we you and I have these chats about. Um, metabolic health and what it means to be healthy. And and, uh, and as you were sort of um, giving that intro, I loved some of the, the subtle phrasing you use, which is one of the things you said is how we age, right? Not not if we age, right? And, and this is a very interesting topic that I find people are having these days. Um, and, and I think many of them are having them who don't have a fundamental background in what health is. Right? And the discussion is how long can we live? And is aging a disease that needs to be sort of solved, right, and cured? And I think these are very interesting conversations. Fundamentally, I actually like the the hope and this this like human ingenuity that we can do anything we, we want. And yet, I think there's something really, really deep that we need to consider when it comes to aging and longevity and life and what it means to live a long time, right? And I think some of these bigger, deeper questions, which really have been around in spiritual circles and religious circles for, you know, forever are, are, are kind of getting skipped over, glossed over by the modern uh, technocracy, right? These tech, technocratic individuals that have these big aspirations and dreams, but maybe missing some of the mo most fundamental, important questions that, that, that life is all about. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we know that we're going to age, but the question is, how how are we going to age, right? Obviously, there are some people that are in their 50s and 60s. I mean, I think about just in my family alone, um, you know, on, on, on my side, my mom, she's a naturopath. She's in her early 70s. She's still seeing clients, has tons of energy. She has chickens. She's out in her farm. She's working all the time. And then, you know, another family member is in her late 50s and dealing with early cognitive decline struggling with her weight, fatty liver disease, um, stage three kidney problems, right? And so 15 years younger and yet having all these different health problems. So both of them are aging, but obviously one is aging more successfully than another. And so what are some of the, what are the things that are impacting how we're aging? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that we we really can stand to benefit from is, the, is this idea that humans are an open energetic system. And so what do I mean by that? That means that we got to move beyond just this sort of billiard ball style uh, Newtonian mechanics of human biology. We are more than just these meat suits. We are more than just the molecules that make 
up a cell, right? And so a lot of the, the aging science, the longevity research, and to be honest, biology in general is so focused on the cell. And that's important because we can learn so much, right? We have the DNA, we've got mitochondria, which come into uh, the longevity and aging discussion uh, in a big way. And we can go into more about that. Um, but we can get so focused on, on what's going on at the cellular level that we forget that we are more than that, that there is everything that impacts us, right? So what do I mean? Thoughts, beliefs, you know, emotions, um, energies like sound and light, right? We're starting to become aware of these things with things like infrared saunas and, and some of the light therapies that are out there. But, but oftentimes we forget the sound is, is as much uh, of an impact on our health as anything else. So now what kind of music are you listening to? Mm -hmm. How are you using sound in your life? There's infrasound, right? There's all kinds of really cool things that we can start to explore. And so with that sort of framework, then we can start to recognize that, oh, wait, it's not just what I'm eating. It's not just how I'm moving that is going to impact my health in the long term, although those are really key factors. It is everything in my environment, right? And this becomes a big, um, I guess, realization that I think eventually one recognizes. If you plant an apple tree in December in northern Alberta, good luck, right? Probably mm -hmm. not going to work very well. Why? Because the environment's not right. The timing is not right. Nothing wrong with the apple seed, right? Nothing wrong with the apple that you're planting. Nothing wrong with your technique, perhaps. The soil might be in pretty good shape, but the environment itself, the timing is off. And so now we start to look at, okay, the environment matters, right? And so for humans, um, everything in our environment is is worthy of investigation who are we surrounding ourselves with right what are the what are the thoughts and beliefs and ideas that are entering um, what's my what's my my diet in that respect right what, are the, what what kind of news media am i consuming right what are the, the as i'm scrolling through social media what are the subconscious beliefs and ideas and thought patterns that are occurring as I'm scrolling. I'm not as good as that person. Wow, look at what they're doing. I could never do that. Oh, she's this way and that way, right? These are all impacting our biology, right? And so um, a lot of the longevity research, a lot of the, the health sciences are, are really focused on, like I said, diet, you know, when to eat, how much to eat, what to eat, really, really critical. And, and in my book, I talk about that in, in a big way, right? Because it is really, really important. And I think we, we really stand to benefit if we start opening up the discussion to all the things. And, and you know, when we went around the world and I chatted with people in their 80s and 90s and, and beyond 100 from a variety of cultures, right? Like that's the cool thing about the Blue Zones work. That's, that's really what I love about the Blue Zones. And um, I, I spoke with the demographer, Michel Poulon, in depth. He was the one that really discovered scientifically, statistically, mathematically, where the first blue zone was. And, and what he did was he, he was looking at populations and he said, okay, there's something going on here in this region of Sardinia where we're, we seem to have these people living a long time. And there were anecdotes about that. And so he went in there and actually did the work, right? That, that's the hard work on the ground. He went and verified birth certificates and said, okay, mm -hmm. I can verify that there's people living a long time here. Um, and so what's going on? And, and he did that in a statistical way. In other words, outside of the norm, and so he, he sort of circled it in blue pencil or blue pen, colored it in, and said, that's the blue zone. Then he worked with National Geographic, and they found really three more areas, Okinawa, Ikaria, Greece, and, and Guanacaste region of Costa Rica. 
And they kind of threw in this little Loma Linda, California, Seventh-day Adventist community, uh, which is sort of a blue zone, but not really. It, it really centers around the Seventh-day Adventists, right? And their habits, not really the area, but they wanted somewhere in the US. So they said, okay, we'll call Loma Linda, right? So they found these areas, totally different cultures. And, and that's the brilliance of that work is that now we can start to look and see what they're doing. And, and one of the things that, that you realize when you speak with these people in these regions and, and really anywhere that are in their 80s, 90s, 100s, is that they have a fundamental belief in God. They have a belief in a higher power. Even in Okinawa, where they don't have a, a, a more traditional religious um, uh, bent, it's more like, it's a Shinto religion. It's like, a, it's like ancestors, but there's something beyond themselves, right? So even then there's something that they can rely on. They can turn things over to, they can believe that they're taken care of, right? Like this is a really, really fundamental uh, fact. The other aspect that, that you find is that they have a really good sense of connection. And so, you know, one of the things that people talk about in longevity, even in the Blue Zones work, they talk about community. And I think that's fine. Like we can call it community loosely, but what I, I think it's more important to recognize that community is not the thing that's actually conferring benefit to our health. It's actually the connection. It's the safety, right? That's what community can provide doesn't mean that it will provide it right we can be a part of a community and feel totally isolated totally alone totally extricated from the community and in in essence we actually may feel worse because we're in the community but we don't feel like we're actually part of it and so there's something wrong with me right or how do i get involved they don't you know i'm i'm, I'm outcast right so there's there's actually issue with this idea of community without connection or without safety, right? But when you have that deep sense of connection and safety that is provided by a church group, that is provided by a, a small local um, village-like setting, that's provided by a large family network, right? Those are the things that start to provide this sense of safety, sense of I'm taken care of, sense of I belong. And when you have those thoughts, beliefs, and ideas, ingrained in you, embedded within you from the early ages, then your biology starts to recognize safety. Your nervous system has a set point that is relaxed, that is in this rest and digest mode on a continuous basis. Now look, we can do things like breath work and meditation and prayer and, and all these beautiful things and binaural beats and we have all this cool technology that uh, massage, right? Like all these things can get us into a parasympathetic rest and digest healing mode. But if our baseline nervous system state is jacked up just a, just a little bit, then we're, we're, we're losing that ability to heal, to recover, to rejuvenate. And over the long haul, that makes a difference, right? So it's really those fundamental key factors, to be honest, that mm -hmm. play probably the biggest role in how we age over time. And of course, it's our behaviors and our habits and all the things that we can consciously engage with. But that fundamental baseline nervous system state of I'm safe, I'm connected, I'm taken care of, that is probably the most important thing. Yeah, that's really good to know. Just that baseline state of your nervous system, that your body's relaxed, that you're um, calm. On the, you know, for the most part, obviously, when you're exercising and things like that, you're going to go into your sympathetic mode. But so many people are living all the time in this fight or flight state, and that's obviously a significant issue here. And, uh, you know, I think in functional medicine and just in the natural health world, we put so much emphasis on food, and, and food does play an important role. But, you know, I like how in the book you really talk a lot about how that's just one input 
Um, and it is important. It is important to consider the food that you're putting into your body. And I think we put so much emphasis on that because it is something that we're so consciously in control of. Whereas even though our thoughts, we are, right? Um, and toxins that we're taking in, there's some level of control there. It's it's harder. It's more elusive. Whereas food is like right there in front of us, the choices that we're making. But you use this great term um, and it's holobiont that I had never heard before. And you talk about humans as kind of these, are we are holobiont beings. And can you can you go into that in more detail? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things, one of the areas that I had fun with in this book was kind of um, poking the reader a little bit, investigating what it is we think we know, right? Like, what is it to be human? And this is a very difficult question. You can ask this question to uh, 100 people and you're gonna get 100 different answers of what does it mean to be, what is human? Because it's not an easy answer to, to, to come to, right? The other, other fun question I like to ask is, um, you know, what is aging? And, and this is something that we investigated in the Human Longevity Project film series, which you were a part of and, and, and made a huge contribution to. I asked a lot of the, the experts like, like yourself and, and many other functional longevity, really, really brilliant minds in the health space, what is, it, what is aging? And I got a different answer every time, right? And some of the most common answers was like, uh, aging is getting older. And it's like, that's probably as good of a definition as we can come up with, right? Because fundamentally, these are deep questions. What, did it, what is aging? What is life? Where does life reside, right? If I cut off my hand, am I less alive? N no, but I, yet I have life in my hand, but yet I'm not my hand, right? Like these are really interesting questions, right? So when we get into sort of the strict biology of things, um, we can look at humans as, you know, our human DNA, our genetic code, which is um, obviously unique, right? There's something about humans that make us supremely unique amongst other mammals, right? And again, this goes back to the deep spiritual questions and religious questions, which are so fun to invoke. But on a biological level, we have our DNA, which play an important role in, in, in the expression of health or the expression of, of dis-ease. And then we have uh, mitochondria, right? Which are organelles within just about every cell, every, every cell in our body, except for red blood cells have mitochondria, right? So some of our, uh, our organs have like our heart cells and our, our liver cells and our brain cells are, have tons and tons of mitochondria because they're very metabolically active, right? You know this. And so these are organelles with their own genetic code. And it, it's, it's questionable how we got them, so to speak, or how we merged with them or what the story is there. And, and there's, some, there's probably some consensus in the scientific world, although I think it's still an open-ended question. But nevertheless, we have mitochondria within ourselves that have their own unique genetic code that is actually circular DNA, right? Ours is helical, the mitochondria is circular. And, and that DNA becomes a critical, plays a critical role in, in our health expression, right? And what we see with cancer and other uh, metabolic diseases is that the mitochondria and their DNA starts to get uh, dysfunctional. And that becomes a critical piece to the puzzle. And if we can restore mitochondrial health, good mitochondrial DNA, even in, 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 in youth, in, in infants, if we see good, healthy mitochondria, we actually see better health outcomes. So, so there's something there with mitochondria. And then we've got, of course, the, the big topic probably over the last 20 years has been the microbiome, right? And this idea that we have microbes living primarily in the gut is where, where, where the research started. And then we realized, oh, wait, they're on our skin. They're in our eyes. They're in our brain. They're in our blood. My, microbes are everywhere, right? So now we have these microbes. And of course, they have their own DNA, right? And so we have 
viruses and bacteria and protozoa and all these things going on in the body. And so they have their own life and their own genetic expression, their own sort of goals and objectives, and yet we live symbiotically with them, right? So, so, so now we have human DNA, mitochondria DNA, micro, microbiota DNA, all living in harmony, talking to each other. This is what's wild, right? In the cell, we've known for a while that, that your mitochondria communicate to your DNA, primarily using things like reactive oxygen species and, and actually heat and light and other things too. Um, but they're giving off signals that communicate to the, the human DNA how to express, right? And so it's not like they're actually having a conversation, but really we can think of gen genes as the optimal mechanisms through which the environment can be can be sensed, right? So when there is a sensing of the environment by an organism, the DNA is the thing that communicates um, to the other aspects of, of the organism of the cell about what's happening in the environment. And so now we have the microbes doing the same thing. So we have microbes talking to human DNA, microbes talking to mitochondrial DNA, mitochondria talking to microbes and human DNA. So we have this three-way communication going on um, and, and we have tons of different organisms. And what we, what we now know is that by weight and by sheer genetic uh, mass and numbers, we're less human than we are these other things. So you're more microbe than human. And it's argued that microbes control uh, at least directly or indirectly up to 98% of human function. And without, without mitochondria, we wouldn't be alive. Without microbes, we wouldn't be alive, right? So, so what are we? You know, what does it mean to be human? And so that is a really interesting biological discussion to, to enter this idea that, that all the inputs matter, right? So what you're eating does matter, what you're not eating and when you're not eating, that matters. And all these organisms are sensing what's happening. And the microbes are communicating via reactive oxygen species, via metabolites. So when you eat a blueberry and you have the, the colorful uh, phytochemicals in a blueberry, your microbes are, are metabolizing that, spitting out some other communication molecule that your, your mitochondria and your, your human DNA are sensing. And then they know how to react based on the input that's coming in. And that input is, is dependent on what? Not only the communication that's sent out by the microbes, but what microbes are even inhabiting your, your, your system. So this is a really intricate way. And, and the reason I like to point out the complexity of all this is because there's a lot of science right now, so-called science, that is that thinks that it can commune, it, that it knows what's happening at that level. And that if you eat, then this is going to happen. And, and my point is, is we're so complex. We, we really don't know what we don't know yet. We're, we're learning more and more, but I don't think we're to the point yet where we can recognize that you, you know, Dr. Jockers can eat this food and that food because you have these genes and, you know, we can test for these microbes and then therefore we know what's happening. I, I just don't think we're there. We're starting to get there, but, but really, if we can if we can appreciate the complexity of all this then we can start to recognize that actually the best way forward is for me to listen to my body me to listen to my my symptoms me to listen to what my sleep is saying and what my mood is saying and and really getting in tune and in touch with ourselves and when we do that then we can navigate the things like diet things like exercise um all these things in our in our modern world that are that are coming at us that's how we navigate this because it is so complex that we don't have the testing yet. We don't have the AI that can help us figure this out on an individual basis. At best, we can get crude guesses.
Yeah, I mean, just as you were talking about that and and in your in the chapter in your book when you're talking about how complex the human organism is and how amazing it is, I mean, it's just it's incredible and it reminds me of the Bible verse we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Um and we really should have awe with how our bodies are made and, and honestly that should should really inspire us to take really good exactly. care of our bodies and to listen to our bodies, listen to the innate intelligence within us. And so you have a really cool um, diagram in there where you talk about your level, the level of symptoms, right? And kind of how we're experiencing those as possibly diagnoses or things that we can physically measure. And then all the way down into kind of like the mitochondrial level and then into the thought level and perhaps trauma level at some point. And so go, go, go through that. I think that's really good for the listeners here. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, a loose way to think about um, what health is and how to uh, to really how to really frame getting better, recovering from disease, right? And and the sort of the first level, the most basic level, um, uh, is most surface level is what I call the labels, right? This is like level one. So this is like your hypertension, your diabetes, um, your kidney disease, you know, the eczema, whatever they're they're, they're labeling you with. Right? This is what typically the, the modern medical system is going to, to give you a label to describe your symptoms. Right? And then if we go a little bit deeper than that, right, then we might look at the markers. Right? And this is where kind of functional medicine lives, naturopathic medicine lives. They'll start looking at markers. Right? And even, even allopathic medicine sometimes will look at, at markers. Right? This is your, your blood pressure. This is your um, thyroid hormones. This is your, um, you know, your GFR, your hemoglobin A1C, these type of things. Um, that's all well and good. And that can be helpful. That can give us clues as to what's going on. But ultimately, having high blood pressure is not the problem, right? Having high cholesterol is not the problem. These are just markers. Um, then if we go a little bit deeper, then we can look at the expressions, right? And so these are the things that are that are causing the the, the markers to appear the way that they are, right? And this may be inflammation in the GI tract. This may be poor cellular communication going on at, the, at that sort of cellular level. It may be chronic inflammation um, system-wide. Uh, Maybe your anxiety or depression. It may be some of these things that are actually creating some of, uh, sorry, the expressions that are, that are occurring that then show up in markers, right? And the markers give you the labels, right? So oftentimes the labels come from the markers or the labels come from the expressions. So level one is the labels, level two is the markers, and a little bit deeper is the expression, what's happening to, to create the markers and the label. Then if we go be a little bit below that, the, the more fundamental is level four, which is the behaviors, All right? So what are you uh, participating in what is it about the environment that you're in that is creating the expression of sort of ill health or dysfunction and this would be an improper diet for you right so a diet that's not aligned with what with what's what you really need um, might be poor sleep right maybe uh, maybe you have a kid and you have really bad sleep for a year and a half um, that is going to start to create um, maybe excess inflammation uh, might might create a little bit more anxiety and depression in the system, right? And these things may show up in low thyroid. It might show up in the markers and then the labels, right? So the behaviors become critical pieces to this, this puzzle. Um, if we go a little bit deeper level below that, you might have the thoughts, the feelings, and the beliefs, right? And this is anger, fear, guilt, um, low self-worth, insecurity, um, ignorance, just, just not knowing any better, right? And, and to some degree, we're all ignorant. So these are the things, these thoughts, feelings, and beliefs can actually 
they create the behaviors, right? So the level five thoughts, feelings, beliefs are fundamental. They, they will often dictate the behavior. Well, not often, always really, um, whether it's ignorance or, or some of these um, subconscious or even conscious thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, they will create the behaviors um, that then manifest in expressions that show up as markers that give us labels. Right. So that's your sort of level five. Then, then level six, you, you tend to have core wounds. And this this tends to be things like traumatic births. It might be a, a car accident where you hit your head, like a physical trauma. Um, it might be uh, in, in emotional trauma um, in, to some uh, pretty strong degree. Um, you might inherit trauma. Right. We, we know that through um, things like the Holocaust survivors and, and the, the inherited traumas that come from that. Um, might be just a, an environment that is really not good for your organism. And so these are the core wounds that, that often create the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs um, that then manifest in behaviors that then show up as expression in the body that then you can find as, as markers that then show up as labels, right? And so the reason I, I, I like to show this is because a lot of the allopathic medicine lives in sort of even even functional integrative medicine can get stuck at levels one, two, and three, right? The labels, the markers, and the expressions, right? It, in, in functional medicine, and I practice this to some degree uh, for a long time, and st still do. There's a lot of great things in functional medicine, but we can get caught if if we're not attuned to the deeper levels. We can get caught in in looking at some of the things that are happening, you know, on on a metabolic test, and say, okay, that's the problem. Right? You see what's happening here in your, in your uh, you know, citric acid cycle, right? This is what's causing the problem. And yes, that can be a cause. It, it can be a cause, but fundamentally there's something causing that, right? So it can be a both cause and an effect. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to continue to dig deeper and deeper. And so anytime you have some expression of disease, any, any sort of metabolic chaos that's showing up in the body, any symptoms that are showing up, whether they're emotional, mental, physical, the deeper that you go, the more you can explore the core wounds, the more uh, resolution you're going to get. So sometimes you can get down to the level three and you can start fixing some of the sort of metabolic chaos that's going on and providing some you know, extra nutrients or um, doing some cleanup of the body. Um, and that's great. And boom, you know, you, you're, you're, you're mostly better. You feel better. Your symptoms are gone. Your markers are, are now in balance. And that's great. Um, that, that can happen. So it's not like you have to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But if you've done that and you can't figure out what's going on, then we got to go to the next level. Think, okay, what, what are the behaviors? What are you doing? You know, is it, is it the diet? How are you eating? What are you eating? How are you moving? When are you moving? What's going on there? How is your sleep? Is it, is it quality sleep? Um, you know, uh, how's your breath? Some people don't breathe properly. That can lead to all kinds of symptoms, mm -hmm. right? Mental symptoms, sleep mm -hmm. issues. Uh, all kinds of, of issues around the body. So breathing itself. And so, okay, well, why aren't we breathing properly? Oh, it could be because there's an issue with the tongue or the uh, misalignment of the jaw, or there's something going on in this uh, head region that actually can be addressed. And once we address that, you know, and that's a core wound, right? There's a physical misalignment going on in the structure that is leading to poor and shallow breathing, mouth breathing at night. And that is causing poor sleeping, inability to recover, Right, like this is what you end up figuring out, and this is kind of this was my my education in functional medicine was I kept having to ask why why is this happening, okay, well why is that happening? And if you keep asking why, and there's actually an old rule in engineering. And I'm a former mechanical engineer. It's it's the five whys. So if you ask why 
If you have a problem and you ask why five times, you'll generally get mm -hmm. to the, the root cause of what's going on. And so this is what you can kind of do in your, in your health discoveries. Well, why, are my, why am I behaving in such a way? Right? Most people, including myself, to a in a huge way for myself, we do things that are unhealthy, even though we know they're unhealthy for us. Right? Like the, it, a lot of the, the issues that we have is not because we don't know better. Uh, some of them are, no question. But even when we do know better, we still do the, the wrong thing. Right? And so why did I overeat that ice cream last night? Why am I eating late at night? Why am I staying up watching TV um, at night? Why am I hanging out with people that don't make me feel good? Why do I keep engaging in the behaviors, the smoking, the drinking, the excess coffee, right? Coffee's a big one, especially in health circles. Mm -hmm. So it's caffeine's good for the brain and there's lots of benefits and yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can overdo it in a huge, huge way, mm -hmm. right? Why am I over-exercising? Why am I exercising so much? Why am I overworking? Why am I not spending quality time with my kids and my family? Why am I checking out? These are core behavioral things that have a real reason and, and, they are always related to our subconscious or conscious thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs, they're not our fault. They are, they're an adaptive expression based on something that has happened to us in the past, primarily in childhood, or a condition of the environment that we're in. And so that's worth taking a look at and saying, okay, well, what, what's going on there? Why do I have these sort of subconscious anxiety? And then when I eat food, I feel better right? What's missing there? Is it connection? Is it love? Is it safety? Right? And so there are really, really cool things that we can find when we're willing to explore on that level. And so if you're not able to get to the resolution of your disease of your symptoms, keep going down a level. And, and I'll go over those again. Again, the, the surface level is the, is the labels, the hypertension, diabetes, the things that you're being told you have. Level two is the markers, the high blood pressure, the low thyroid hormone, the, the um, you know, cholesterol, all those things, the expressions, it's the mitochondrial damage, the gastrointestinal inflammation, poor cellular communication, um, the behaviors, you know, improper diet, overworking, uh, social isolation, shallow breathing, smoking. Then below that, it's the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Then below that, it's the core wounds. What are the things that are actually causing those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs? So if we're able to see the bigger picture, then we can, then we can explore things on each level. And what I found in my own life and the, the people that I work with is that there's so much going on at that core wound level. And again, it may be because you were a boxer or you're a football player or you're a hockey player and you have head trauma or missile, structural misalignments that is creating a situation where your nervous system is caught in this fight or flight uh, a state. So, so there's lots going on there. Um, and that's really where the, the gold is when it comes to getting health resolution. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you guys about Paleo Valley bone broth protein powder. Unlike most companies, which are actually creating their bone broth protein from the hides or the skin of the animal, which are unfortunately less nutrient dense, Paleo Valley actually uses the bones and they do a slow simmering process to extract as much of the key collagen protein as possible. Collagen protein is rich in some key amino acids, things like glycine, proline, and hydroxyproline, which are needed for healthy skin, healthy joints, a healthy gut lining, healthy muscles, just a healthy body in general. Collagen helps to reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It also helps to reduce cellulite and it's critical for anti-aging as it may regenerate bones and it helps build muscle and support heart health. 
So I'm a huge fan of using collagen or bone broth protein, but I wanna make sure that mine is as pure as possible. And that's why I love Paleo Valley because they use 100% grass-fed beef bones from cows that are never fed GMO grains. And they even test for over 40 pesticides to ensure this is the purest bone broth protein on the market. It also has over three grams of glycine per serving, 15 grams of total collagen protein. Now that three gram dose of glycine is key because research has shown that that helps improve sleep by lowering body temperature and boosting serotonin levels. And serotonin is a key precursor to melatonin. That's the sleep hormone. And it does this without causing daytime drowsiness. So if you have your collagen protein during the day, you're not gonna get drowsy, but it will help you sleep better at night. So guys, check out paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15% off to get your bone broth protein. You can also go to paleovalley.com forward slash drjockers to get the Paleo Valley bone broth protein or any of the great Paleo Valley products and use the coupon code JOCKERS at checkout to save 15% off today. Yeah, that was a really great summary there. And I think the initial step is just having an awareness. And that's what you're bringing here is helping us be more aware of, you know, the thoughts, feelings, um, beliefs that are starting to drive these things. And then the initial traumas, right? Or whatever the traumas are that are that are driving the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. And so I think that's it's critical for all of us to understand and uh, and and really to to ponder and put some thought into. Um, and uh, I think that'll, that'll be a great thing for your life when you start thinking deeply about these things. So in your book, you go into, you know, a bunch of different factors that really impact our health. You've touched on some of these, but let's start with sleep, light, and circadian rhythm and how that impacts our health. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this is kind of, uh, this is one of the first things, you know, the first part of the book, I actually try to give an overview of what aging is and what health is, right? And, and look, a lot of doctors and, and, and myself, even though I wasn't a doctor, started in this path, started studying disease, you know, okay, well, what is Hashimoto's thyroiditis? What is you know, Crohn's disease? How do we treat these things? How do we resolve these things from a functional perspective, from an integrative perspective? I mean, that's great. You know, understanding disease is important, but no amount of studying disease can ever teach you about health ever. It, it can clue you in into what is not health. And then therefore you can have a realization of, of what health is. But, but this is a really important factor of what are the things that create health, right? What are the things that allow us to express health? And, and health is our fundamental aspect of who we are. That's the cool thing, right? Like we are, we've been given this gift of health from God. It is within us, the ability, the potential for health. Right, that that's really the thing that's important. It's the potential. So, men, look, uh, there's a lot of infants and, and children that are born with horrific and really sad conditions, and it's it breaks my heart anytime I see it. The cool thing is, is that they still have the potential for for unbelievable health within them. So, if we can recognize that, that's when we can start to engage these things that uh, that can turn that on, that can express that. And that's what the rest of the book is, is sort of structured for, right? What are the things that can, that can, that, that can create health, that can express health that is naturally within us and, and circadian rhythm and sleep are probably the most important factors to this equation. Um, that if we get those wrong, or if we don't do those well, then 
it almost doesn't matter what the other stuff is. And I sort of say that loosely, but it's such a big uh, lever for us that if one is not sleeping well, then they're not going to digest food well. They're not going to uh, emote well. They're not going to connect well. Everything that, that they're doing is not going to um, to be as sharp, to be as effective, right? We don't exercise as effective. And when we do exercise, there's extra inflammation that is not getting sort of turned down, shut off and repaired. So sleep is fundamental, right? Not necessarily how long we sleep, although that is uh, you know, an important factor, but, but this, this idea of length changes throughout our life, right? If you've got kids, you recognize, you know, when they're really young, they sleep 12, 14 hours a day, right? And, and even in sort of those, those toddler years are still sleeping 10, 12 hours a day, whereas most adults, we don't need 10, 12 hours. You know, it's actually not good for us to sleep 10, 12 hours. And you look at the older people uh, and they tend to sleep less, more like six hours, right? So there's, that changes throughout our life. Right? So the needs are actually different. Um, so probably somewhere in that seven and a half, eight hours is good. But how well are you sleeping? How, how are you cycling through those, those sleep cycles that, that get into the ability to repair um, on the physical level primarily, right? And so are you getting into deep sleep? Are you having enough deep sleep? But again, even within these sleep cycles, the deep sleep, the REM sleep, the light sleep, this is all individuated. We're all unique beings and we have unique needs based on what we're doing, what part uh, of our life we're in, um, uh, what season it's in, right? So, so there's natural fluctuations to all this. This is why it's important to focus on circadian rhythm, right? And there's a lot of rhythms within the body, right? We have actual in, in, infrarhythms, infra right? We have these intraday rhythms within our body that, that the brain is going through and our bodies are going through. But the big one, the most fundamental is the circadian rhythm, right? And this is the 24-hour uh, light dark cycle, primarily light dark cycle. It's guided by the sun. And so you see this with shift workers, people working at night, all cause mortality increases, cancer increases, um, autoimmune disease, all the, the potential for all disease uh, increases. So there's something about being awake during the day when the sun is up and, and, and sleeping when the sun is down. And when we start to um, skew from that, which we have done massively over the last hundred years, and I would say I would argue over the last thirty in particular, we've 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 really screwed this up. We are not abiding by this circadian rhythm. We're not allowing the sun and 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 the absence of sun to dictate our behavior um, and our patterns. And when you know when we went around the world, Ikaria and in, in, in Sardinia, into these villages, you know this is one of the things that I asked them because it's it's. Again, the Blue Zones work is great, and it's cool to understand what these older people are doing and eating and how they, how they think and believe and all that. That's fantastic. I think one of the things sometimes we miss is what were your parents doing? You know, how did you grow up? What was life like when you were 10, when you were 15? Because that's one of the points I make in the book is that when it comes to longevity, probably the most important aspect to longevity is, is what happens preconception to about seven years old. That sets the stage for your expression for most of your life. And, and we, can, we can modify that to some degree, but that's a big piece. And so what was their life like? Well, it turns out that most of these people lived 50 years of their life without electricity. I mean, that's, that's hard to believe. I mean, it's like, David, if you, know, if you, if you and I went camping um, this weekend and we didn't come back for the next 40 years, right? Like imagine camping for that long, yeah. right? They lived their entire, no refrigeration, right? Of course, no television, no computers, no, no lights other than sort of oil or carbide la lanterns, right? Like they lived with the sun. 
So when the sun uh, came up, they woke up. The animals were, were making noise, right? Like the whole life starts to come alive and so do we, right? They don't have blackout curtains. They don't have alarm clocks. They don't have any of that stuff. So the sun and the rhythm of the day is guiding them. So they must get up and tend to the animals, tend to their gardens, tend to the things that they need to do to survive, which again, their survival is dictated by the sun, by the seasons, by the, by the, this is important. So they have to harmonize with the sunlight, with the temperatures, with the growing conditions, right? Like they can't fight nature. They must, they must harmonize. We, we can combat nature all, all we want. We've, we've invented some pretty cool stuff. We can get food from all over the planet, no matter what, what season it is, um, we can get it, right? They couldn't do that. Their survival is dependent on them aligning with nature. So that means when the sun set, they had to go to sleep. What else are they going to do? Mm -hmm. There's, it's dark. Yeah. Right. And they had to get up at four, five, six, maybe, right. Depending on, on what they were doing. So, so they needed to go sleep. Not only that, they were tired. They were working. M most of the, of the things they were doing were manual labor um, in order to survive. So they were exhausted. The sunset, they ate their dinner. There's not much else to do. Right. They don't have board games. They don't have video games. They don't have computers, no internets, no podcasts. Right. So they socialized, they hung out and they went to bed. So they were guided by the light, by the rhythm. And this becomes really, really important. So many of us have sleep issues these days. And this is one of the things I asked. Um, I asked people all around. I said, you know, you have sleep issues is a common thing. Um, and it's just, there wasn't really a lot of response. The only guy that told me he had sleep issues was a 32 year old um, Costa Rican man who was a tour guide. He, he spoke really good English. And he said, oh, no, the only one that has sleep issues around here is me. But he was basically acting like a Westerner and he was running his business. He was concerned about his business. So he was mm -hmm. thinking about, and so he had some sleep issues and he laughed about it. But all of his uncles, his aunts, his grandfathers, his parents, no sleep issues. That generation, the way that they lived just didn't, wasn't conducive to sleep issues. And so what we find is that in our modern world, this becomes the other thing that, that is important to recognize and why I wanted to do the human longevity project was because we can study those people and that's great. They had unique challenges that I would not want. Right? We can romanticize the way that they lived and, and how beautiful it is and, and in so many ways it is, but they had challenges, unique challenges that I would never want to deal with. And we have unique challenges in the modern world, in the West, that they never had to deal with. They never had to go down uh, you know, a grocery store aisle and say, no, I don't want that really tasty ice cream right there. I'm gonna opt for that, uh, that mango, right? Like they didn't have to make that, that choice, right? So we are faced with unique, uh, interesting challenges of our own. Um, and so when it comes to lighting, we are now having to make the choice to turn off our lights, to shut down our TVs and our computers. We're having to make the choice because that's, that's totally against the cultural grain, by the way, to get up in the morning without an alarm clock, perhaps to go outside and get, get outside and let the sun into our eyes, right? Which communicates via the optic chiasm and the suprachiasmatic nucleus talks to the hypothalamus and the pituitary, which then communicates through our body. So now we know science around this stuff, circadian rhythm biology. This is, uh, the 2017, there was a Nobel prize awarded for chronobiology, for the study of chronobiology and how circadian rhythm not only impacts sleep, but how it influences our entire biological function. Yeah, so critical. So getting your sleep, getting your lighting correct. I mean, that's just plays a huge role. And I think anybody that has 
done anything in this space where perhaps, you know, you turn off all your lights at night, you put on blue light blocking glasses, you go to bed early, um, you realize the difference, right? Like you just feel it the next day. You feel it when you are in sync with your circadian rhythm. And then I know for me, I'm, I'm very, very much impacted by this. If I'm up late, if lights are on, let's say I'm like, you know, the other day bringing my family back home, driving at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night and I get home and I can't, you know, I'm all wired because I just drove and, uh, you know, it takes me another hour to wind down, be able to sleep. And the next day I don't feel as good. Right. And so it impacts us. Well, and, and what's really interesting too about this, and, and this is what's really cool, I think, as we're starting to discover more about sleep science and, and how the brain works in circadian rhythm is that, and, and Ayurveda and some of the, the more ancient health practices have known this for a while, but we actually have, uh, people have different um, circadian rhythm, let's say strengths, so to speak. And mine is really strong, meaning that um, the way chronobiology and circadian rhythm works is that your body's anticipating when the sun is going to rise, right? And yeah. we know this, anybody ex experienced jet lag knows this. So you, you know, you fly to Europe, uh, you fly five hour, five time zones difference, and your body thinks it's morning when in fact it's 3 p.m., right? And your, your body has to take a number of days to recalibrate, right? So that's how the body is actually working. Plants have this, all organisms have this predictive anticipatory function about when the sun is going to come up, right? And that's what's guiding our function. And so um, some people have a really strong rhythm. I'm one of those people that like, if I stay up until let's say midnight tonight, I'm still going to wake up at like 5.30, 6am tomorrow morning. Like yeah. it's just strong and I can keep, yeah. so it, it's going to take a long, it's going to take, so once it's set, it's like, it's in the ground, it's there. Like I have a rhythm that's going to wake me up. I, I, I just won't be able to sleep beyond that. It'll take me a number of days or even weeks to reset that rhythm. Um, and so it takes me a little bit longer to shift, but once I'm shifted, then boom, I'm there. Yeah. And so this becomes the interesting factor, right? And so why it becomes so detrimental for me to, to screw with this is that if I start staying up late, I'm going to wake up at 530. I'm only going to get my five hours of sleep and that's going to be impactful for me. Not only that, there's periods of the night of the sleep cycles and that early period, like basically a certain amount of hours after the sun goes down, these biological activities start to happen, right? This is why it goes so much beyond sleep is because there's clock genes, there's period genes, there's BMOL, there's all these little sort of genetic switches inside the cells throughout our body, in the bone cells, the thyroid cells, the kidney, the liver, the spleen, everywhere has these cells that, that are being sort of triggered by these, these clock genes. And these clock genes are picking up signals from the master clock, which is the, the hypothalamus pituitary, and they're sending out signals throughout the body. And so if those, those genes those clock genes are sending the wrong signal, then we're gonna start expressing things in all kinds of organ systems at the wrong time of day, right? And so when we should be cleaning things up at night, if I'm still awake and I'm eating food and I'm watching TV, then all that's gonna get disrupted. My body's trying to clean, but then I'm throwing food down the gullet and I'm asking it to digest all this food. And it's like, whoa, well, hold on. And the, and the reason it can't do all those things is just like, just like a parent with, with kids, like you only have so much you can do, right? You, mm -hmm. you can't, you can multitask to some degree, but then eventually you hit your limit. The body's the same way. It's only got so much capacity to do what it knows how to do. So if it's trying to do too many jobs, then it's, it's not going to function optimally. And so circadian rhythm becomes critical um, for food, 
you know, people talk about what do I eat, right? And and this is, of course, a, a never-ending debate, I feel like, about what to eat. And, and that's great. And that's okay. But I think, you know, and, and you talk about this a lot. It's like when to eat is really, really important. Mm -hmm. and, the, and this idea yeah. of, but, but that when to eat is driven by circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So if our circadian rhythm's out of whack, then the, then the number on the clock is kind of irrelevant, right? It's, it's yeah. really about when do I eat with respect to the sun? When mm -hmm. do I eat with respect to the night? That yeah, and the foods that we the foods that we crave and the amount of food that we eat can differ depending on our circadian rhythm, depending on how the quality of the sleep that we had, our leptin sensitivity in our brain. So you know, well, if we and, don't sleep as well, that's going to really impact the food choices we make. And this is this is huge, right? And and what you're saying is so powerful, and I really want to reiterate this because. I, I know this for a fact. I know the science of all this stuff, the neuropeptide Y and the leptin and sensitivity, mm -hmm. and, and like the glucagon. There's all these hormones and chemicals, right? And then, that's great. So you can know this stuff. You can know the deep science about this stuff. And yet you are powerless in the reality of what you're saying, right? When I had my, my son, he just, he just did not sleep very well, right? And so we were constantly um, being woken up. And sure enough, I craved all these various foods, mostly fatty, sweet, carbohydrate-rich, processed like donut-typey foods, right? And and so it's wild because I know the science. I know why I shouldn't eat that. My body's craving it. And I'm sitting there looking at it going, I, I really want to eat you, but I don't. And then I would <laughs> take a bite, right? And it's like, we are so powerless against these hormones and the willpower. This is why so many people struggle with diet and losing weight and trying mm -hmm. to change things because they're trying to overpower their biology and, and your biology will always win in the long run, right? Maybe not in the moment. You might get these small battle wins, but they're gonna, your, your biology is going to win the war. And the reason is because your biology is trying to save you. Your biology is trying to keep you alive. And so when you're not getting sleep, when you're not doing these things properly, all of a sudden the cravings and and the other thing that in that period um, i didn't want to exercise very much and 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 I actually knew that if i exercised too hard too often it was actually bad for me and so this becomes yeah. the the trap we find ourselves in is that exercise to, exercising in those situations to a large degree is not going to be great in other words probably the best thing i can do is walk right and then these food choices start to become a disaster. And then I start, if you start putting on weight, that's going to start to influence your mood and your thoughts and your behavior and your sleep, right? So it's this downward spiral, all because yeah. sleep was the fundamental thing that I wasn't getting right. And why? Because I had a child. Hey, I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about my cell liposomal glutathione. This is an amazing product because our modern world is toxic. No matter how health conscious you try to be, the truth is that every single day, you and I are being bombarded by harmful toxins and stressors. Things like EMF, 5G, heavy metals, chemicals, processed foods, and the like. And when left to roam free, these toxins take on the form of something called free radicals. Free radicals promote an unhealthy inflammatory response and contribute to oxidative damage on the cellular level. This is kind of like the browning of an apple. This is happening inside of our bodies at all times, and it's potentially leading to premature aging, a lower quality of life, and a range of health problems. But the good news is that we can fight back with antioxidants, and they are crucial in combating free radicals 
and keeping you on track. And one of the most powerful antioxidants known to man is glutathione. You see, glutathione fights free radicals and molecules that cause cellular damage while repairing the DNA and flushing out toxins. The only thing about glutathione is that not all supplements are created equal. You want a kind of glutathione that has optimal absorption capacity. And that is why I love the Purality Health Micelle Liposomal Technology, which delivers the nutrients into your bloodstream and it's proven to be 800% more efficient than other forms of glutathione. And even better, this is backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today, we have a 30% off coupon for you. Just visit PurityHealth.com and use the coupon DRJ to access 30% off today. That's Purality Health. That's P-U-R-A-L-I-T-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And use the coupon code Dr. J to access 30% off today. This is this becomes the, the 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 conundrum we find ourselves in life, right? A lot of the things that we're doing and thinking, our behaviors are dictated by something that happened to us, right? It might have been we were abused when we were three years old. Of course, it's not my fault, but yet it's my responsibility, right? And, and there's a there's a part of us that says that's not fair, right? And that's that's BS. And it is. And it's ultimately up to us to recognize what's happening and to intervene. And this becomes the beautiful part is that we can unwind any of these disaster scenarios if we understand what we're working with and we're dealing with. So in my case, yes, it, it became about making better food choices. But again, I already knew that stuff. What, what the real solution was, was trying to bring awareness to that, trying not to beat myself up too much over the fact that I'm craving these sort of unhealthy foods, doing my best with the choices and ultimately getting to the source, which is getting better sleep and figuring out a way to do that while also meeting the needs of my wife and my son and my work and my friends and all the other things too, right? So this is the tricky part about being human is that you can know all the stuff in the world about all these things and ultimately you're gonna find yourself in situations where they're just not ideal, right? And so this is where the compassion for yourself, the love for yourself, the support network, right? The understanding, and also then the behavior changes can can make a big role. Yeah, it's so good when you're talking about your son it reminded me, I have four young children, not <laughs> no, my, you tw my twin boys. My goodness, that was, that was, that was tough. Uh, sleeping overnight, that was, that was, my wife and I took shifts and I would get up at like 4 a.m., you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it was tough and it definitely impacted every area of my life. And I, I mean, back then I was working out, you know, I was in my early 30s. I was working out six days a week and I immediately realized I am overtraining. I had to cut back the workouts because of obviously the, the, the sleep loss and whatnot. But I'm sure we could talk all day about these kinds of issues. But yeah, this is what happens. Life happens. And we have to be be able to adapt. We have to be able to listen to our body and be able to adapt to it and you know, continue to try to put ourselves in an environment to make the best possible decisions. So surrounding ourselves. So if you're not getting sleep, what can you do? Surround yourself with a positive environment, right? Put on worship music or classical music, you know, start to start to change these other inputs, right? Or uh, or put more emphasis on some of these other inputs that can help impact you get more sun exposure or during the day, right? There's a lot of other impacts, uh, other inputs that can impact your physiology in a positive way. If you're in that state where, you know, just getting good sleep is going to be tough because you've got a young child.
Yeah, this is beautiful. I love what you're saying here. And, and, and even around that sort of food aspect, right? So, the, yeah. so one, of the, one of the hacks you can sort of help yourself with is when you're at the store, when you're feeling good, don't buy that stuff. Right? <laughs> and I would often tell my wife, like, hey, don't, don't keep it at the house. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because once it's here, I'm, I'm screwed, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but make it a little bit more challenging, right? Like make it challenging for yourself to make those bad decisions to the point where you're going to have to really go out of your way. And I love what you said. Like it's, it really does come down to figuring out where you can actually make the changes until something can resolve, right? And, and this, this becomes huge. And, and I'm glad you mentioned going outside and getting sunlight. It's unbelievable how much of a medicine sun is people we're, we've we've been trained to fear the sun right and and it's it's crazy to me and it's so sad you know and if i'm someone with light skin right so i can only tolerate so much but but it's such a medicine right for for the hormones for all of our biology it's signaling us in such huge ways and so getting outside getting that light exposure in the eyes even if it's behind the clouds even if it's during winter you know going outside getting that sun exposure in the eyes on the skin turns on all kinds of unbelievable hormones that then help us deal with stress right not only that it is that morning light that is that is providing the signal for that high melatonin peak, right? There's a lot of emphasis right, in the sleep community and the natural health world about blue blocking glasses and, and, and eliminating yeah. blue and green light. And that's great. It really is important. But really the more important thing is actually getting the daylight. We're missing the signals that our ancestors used to get. We're missing the signals that all the people in the blue zones got on a regular basis, which was that light. So they might be standing under shade, they might be wearing uh, full length clothing covering their skin so they don't get um, you know, sun damage, but they're still getting the signal. Even standing in the shade outside, getting that signal in your eyes is communicating to your biology what to do and how to do it. That's gonna improve digestion. That's gonna improve your hormonal profile. That's gonna help you know, uh, upregulate things like testosterone, um, which is amazingly anti-inflammatory. You talk about a, a, an anti-aging hormone, testosterone is fantastic for that growth hormone. There's really, really important things happening at that level just by getting, you know, that light. It goes so far beyond vitamin D, right? And vitamin yeah. D is critical, but, you know, especially for darker skin individuals, you know, I find, you know, in, in the U.S., this becomes the challenge, right? Uh, my, my heritage and ancestry is from Northern Europe, Right. And and yet I'm in San Diego. So there's a really big mismatch, sort of evolutionary speaking here. And same thing with, with darker skinned individuals that cut that have a heritage from, from Africa or India, you know, or South America. They find themselves in sort of these environments that that their their skin, that their biology is not conducive for. And so they actually need to get outside more. There's actually really strong medicine and they need to get outside or else they're going to be uh, subject to greater levels of metabolic dysfunction. It's why we see so many issues, one of the reasons, uh, with, with regard to diabetes, metabolic syndromes in the African-American, the, uh, the Asian-American, the uh, Native American populations, the Indian Americans. We see a lot of these issues, and I think it's primarily because there's not fundamentally enough sunlight getting on the skin and in their eyes because we've moved indoors. So this is where it becomes really unique for each individual. Right, so one individual may need more sun exposure, um, and is probably impacted by the indoor lighting less because of the dark eyes, dark hair, dark skin. Whereas me, I'm probably impacted by the indoor light. Me and you are impacted by the indoor light more because we have light eyes, light hair, light skin. But we need less outdoor light to sort of to, to drink our medicine, right? So there's really, really in interesting individual aspects here. But light is a medicine that we really, really need to take. 
Yeah, I know it makes a big impact uh, in my health and and my well being. That's for sure. I try to get out in the sun every time it's out. In fact, I'm looking yeah. outside right now. It's sunny. I'm going to get outside after this interview. And so, Jason, this has been wonderful. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation and we'll have to bring you back on for a part two down the road. But guys, the book is Beyond Longevity, A Proven Plan for Healing Faster, Feeling Better and Thriving at Any Age. You can get that on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes as well that you can check out. Uh, Definitely pick up that book if you have an interest in this topic and the things Jason was talking about. I think you're going to love it. And uh, he goes into a lot of stuff that we didn't even get a chance to go to in the book. Um, you can go to beyondlongevitybook.com, right? And you'll you'll find out more uh, there as well. Do you have any free gifts if they go to that that site? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of exclusive bonuses um, that you can find there that uh, uh, really help put the book into action, right? Like that's really what this is about. It's it's not only learning this stuff, but how do we put this into action? So uh, a lot of the bonuses there will will help make that happen. And that's that's really my my goal and objective with this information is to to help move people forward because um, there's just too many of us suffering with chronic conditions. I was one of them for for many many years. Um, so I have a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion for those that are that are struggling with with health issues. And so. Um, it is recoverable. We just need to sort of live from alignment. And when we do that, um, health is our reward. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jason. Guys, again, go check out the book, Beyond Longevity, and we'll see you in a future conversation, future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.